Hey, Seth. Hi, Jonathan. I don't know if this is the right thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Happy Good Friday? Question mark. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. Blessed Good Blessed Good Friday? That just sounds too pretentious. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, either way, I'm glad to be with you on this Good Friday, which is the day, of course, that we remember, commemorate Jesus's final moments before and leading up to and including his death on the cross. And so, like we did with yesterday's Maundy Thursday episode, we wanted to try something a little bit different. And we're really hoping this can be a reflective experience for us and for our listeners. We are going to tap into some of my denomination's resources. Our tradition has a liturgy for what's called a tenebrae service, which is a service of shadows. And this liturgy is translated by a scholar named James Charlesworth. And we will be reading through John chapters 18 and 19, and really doing a little bit more in this episode to let the scripture speak for itself. But we wanted to read through these passages and pause just a few times to consider what's standing out to us, like we do when we read the Bible on our weekly episodes. But when we pause, we invite you, our listeners, to pause as well. Just hit that pause button and consider how your heart is awakened or broken by what we're reading together. How's that all sound, Seth? That sounds great. I'm excited. Awesome. Well, can I pray for us to start? I would love that. Let's pray. Almighty God, graciously behold this, your family, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed into the hands of sinners and to suffer death upon the cross, who now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Jesus went forth with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, procuring a band of soldiers, and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to befall him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, so if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word which he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which the Father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain, and the officers of the Judean authorities, seized Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. 
it was Caiaphas who had given counsel to the religious authorities that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. As this disciple was known to the high priest, he entered the court of the high priest along with Jesus while Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the woman who guarded the gate and brought Peter in. The woman who guarded the gate said to Peter, Are not you also one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I've always taught in synagogues and in the temple, where all Jewish people come together. I've said nothing secretly. Why do you ask me? And those who have heard me, what I said to them, they know what I said. When he had said this, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, bear witness to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. All right, Seth, let's pause here for a second. So we've entered into this story. What stands out to you? What is awakening or breaking your heart? I guess I was well aware of Peter's denials of Jesus. But just the image of him first denying Jesus and then standing around with the Judean officers who are making this fire, like he's right with them. That's breaking my heart right now. For me, there's those moments early on in what we first read where it talks about how the garden where Jesus was betrayed was a space that he had been with his disciples many times and wondering for them how it must have felt to have such a place that maybe was special or cherished for them be tainted by such a violent and traumatic experience. Well, thanks for sharing that, Seth. Let's continue with our reading. Now, Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They said to him, Are not you also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a kinsman of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once... The cock crowed. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early. They themselves did not enter the headquarters, so that they might not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusations do you bring against this man? And they answered him, If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have handed him over. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The religious authorities said to him, 
it is not lawful for us to put any man to death. This was to fulfill the word which Jesus had spoken, to show by what death he was to die. Pilate entered the headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingship is not of this world. If my kingship were of this world, my servants would fight, that I might not be handed over to the religious authorities. But my kingship is not from the world. Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After Pilate had said this, he went to the religious authorities again and told them, I find no crime in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. Will you have me release for you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. All right, Seth, with Barabbas, we'll pause one more time. What do you think? What stands out to you? What's awakening or breaking your heart? When Pilate asks Jesus, what is truth? I always wonder whether he means it Hmm. or whether it's a throwaway line. I don't know. Today, I wonder if hearing this again, maybe I just want to give him the benefit of the doubt today. Hmm. Maybe maybe he's asking a question that I think like is one of, if not the fundamental question, what is truth? Today I find myself empathizing a little bit more with Pilate than mm. I ever have. That question just echoed for me. Jesus talks about it as it's so obvious, so self-evident even, and Pilate asks the question I think many of us are thinking. (laughs) And in the midst of this time where Jesus' own people are joining Judas among the betrayers, it's this uniquely intimate conversation between someone who stands accused and the person who holds their fate in their hands. And for that question, the question that if it's said with the tone that I think both you and I are hearing... The question kind of opens up Pilate to be a more human, more vulnerable character than he's often portrayed as. Great, Seth. Let's continue hearing these words from the Gospel of John. Then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. And they came to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no crime in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. 
When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no crime in him. The religious authorities answered him, We have a law, and by that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard these words, he was the more afraid. He entered the headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Upon this, Pilate sought to release him. But the religious authorities cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king sets himself against Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, and in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the religious authorities, Behold, your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. They handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to a place called the Place of a Skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote a title and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Judeans read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. The Jewish chief priests then said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and made four parts, one for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was without seam, woven from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. They parted my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Well, Seth, one more time. As we're in the heart of this story, what stands out to you? Right after Jesus is crucified, the line, many of the Judeans read this title, that he's the king of the Jews. That's just jumping out to me right now. Like, it's just, it's like both heartbreaking and I don't, and interesting. I don't even know what word to use. That all these people see this happen and see his title. I guess I often think of Jesus' crucifixion as being 
at least relatively private. I mean, it's outside mm -hmm. on a hill. But I guess I wonder, like, how many people would want to see that. But this makes it seem like it's, it's much more public than I've ever thought. For me, there's a single line that knowing the little I know of Israel's history and Jesus' story just punched me in the gut. It's when the chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. Just profound for me. So we have one more section of reading, but just wanted to let everyone know we're not going to offer any reflection at the end of this final section. Instead, letting the words of these scripture passages that describe Jesus' final moments speak for themselves. And I'd invite you, as you're able until Sunday, to allow yourself to grieve. We've experienced so much loss this year, and in Jesus' death, we're given permission to mourn the losses we experience. We hope that you'd be willing to share with us what losses are weighing on you, whether you reach out to us personally or connect with us on Twitter or Instagram, we want this to be a community that is here for you. So with all that in mind, let's return ourselves to the space on that hill to witness all that Jesus offers us in deep love. So the soldiers did this, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing near, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A bowl full of vinegar stood there. So they put a sponge full of the vinegar on hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, in order to prevent the bodies from remaining on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the religious authorities asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first, and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled, not a bone of him shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the religious authorities, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, 
who had at first come to him by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. They took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb where no one had ever been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, as the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Let's all hear these words as this time comes to a close. Go in peace. May Jesus Christ, who for our sake became obedient unto death, even death on a cross, keep you and strengthen you this night and forever. Amen. Amen.